Hello, everyone. Welcome back. I am Trish Regan. This is the Trish Regan Show. It is good to have you here. And we got a lot of really, really interesting, historic news to talk about. Do we not? Wow. Out of Iowa. But first, portions of the show are brought to you by LegacyPMInvestments.com. 1-866-589-0560. That is their number. If you're interested in investing in gold, if you're worried about, you know, inflation, which you probably should be worried about. I certainly am. Anyway, one of the ways you can diversify and perhaps hedge some of your bets is by investing in gold. And so I encourage you to give them a ring. They're, they're great guys over there. one 589 Oh my goodness. Do we have some things to discuss? As I said, historic. I'm not surprised. I got to tell you guys, you know, like I, I, there are things that you could just sort of feel back in 2016 and everybody was like oh you're crazy like he'll never win i'll tell you i felt it then and i'm feeling it now but you don't have to trust me you just have to look at the numbers because he overwhelmingly and we'll get into the analysis of it totally totally killed it look at that 51 percent. you add nikki and ron up and they're not even close to him still this is a historic win. Nobody's ever won by this much in Iowa. He was very gracious. He talked about Melania's mom, of course, who had just passed away and said, you know what? She would have been so proud of this moment. Check it out. I think most importantly, I want to thank my incredible wife, uh, First Lady, I'll say former and maybe future. But more important than Melania, I want to thank her incredible beautiful mother who passed away a few days ago and she's up there way up there she's looking down and she's so proud of us and i just want to say to amalia you are special one of the most special people i've ever known and uh, that was a tough period of time for the family but she uh, she's amazing she was amazing so i just want to thank what she's done for our family and her husband who's home right now and very lonely. He's a lonely man, but he's going to be okay. Victor, they're great people, great, uh, great parents to all of us, really, I mean, great parents, but also to Baron. Boy, did she take care of Baron. That's how he got so tall. He only ate her food. <laughs> oh, it's really sweet. Anyway, a, a very, very nice speech from him, and I'll, I'll play you some more excerpts from it. But I think this is one of the things that people like and they relate to. By the way, she was not Melania's mother, a very public person, but she did live there in the White House. She was very instrumental in the raising of her grandson and was very close, of course, to Melania Trump and thus to Donald Trump, again, with the parents having lived there. So he had a big win. He had a big night. We could have predicted this. I mean, I have been predicting this, but I'm telling you guys, like the momentum has left the station and this is going to be big. And I think if things go as they've been going, he's going to be walking right back into that White House again. I am telling you, these numbers are stunning. As I just said, you know, you add up, you add up Nikki and Ron and you still don't get to his level there in Iowa and a picture's worth a thousand words, right? I mean, you look at, the, this is the map. This is Iowa, every single solitary county, aside from one, 
went for Donald Trump last night. And you know what else is really amazing? In the one county that didn't go for him, it was by one vote, reportedly by one single vote. So it was still really, really close. Look, again, I'm telling you, overwhelmingly, this is where the country's at. And there's a reason for it. And you have only to look at these actually CNN exit polls to understand it. It would be great if some people in the media would actually look at their own exit polls, for goodness sakes, and maybe they'd understand this a little bit more. Look, even if he's a criminal, even even if he is convicted of a crime, take a look at this, according to, again, to the CNN political exit poll, 72%, they still want him. They still want them. Very interestingly, if you look at the data here, Ramaswamy, by the way, is out. We'll talk about that in a minute. But if you look at this data, Nikki Haley, her contingency, well, they don't think he's fit for the presidency if he's convicted of a crime. So they're a very different kind of Republican. There's been a lot of funding reportedly, actually from a lot of not just never Trumpers, but even Democrats, if you would, that have crept over into that space to try and find an alternative to Donald Trump. It's clearly not working. I told you that. I think I did tell you that. Like, I'll give everybody a chance, but like, you know, you got to kind of call him as you see him along the way. Donald Trump, 72% would still vote for him. There you go. If he's convicted of a crime. And then uh, let's move on to why that is, right? I mean, additional exit polls that came out showing that people really feel strongly about him. So strongly that they don't even think, they don't even think that, that Joe Biden legitimately won the election. Gosh, this is like deja vu. Right? Because that's like 2016. That's exactly what happened. Hillary Clinton's team did not think that Trump was legitimate. Hillary Clinton's team thought that he was put there by the Russians, remember? And we heard that at nauseam. Well, same thing happening on the other side. Do you think that Biden legitimately won in 2020? What you see is that 69% of those Trump voters there in Iowa, they said no, versus Nikki Haley. They said yes. So again, just showing you kind of the difference between the voter for Nikki Haley and the voter for Donald Trump. But this perhaps is what I find to be so stunning. And this is why I say some of these media groups, like they don't even pay attention to their own exit polls because they're sitting there scratching their heads saying, but how can Donald Trump be doing this? Well, well, take a look at this one. I think it says it all. It says it all because you know what? There were two questions there, a few different questions, but one was which candidate quality mattered the most and they were asked is it the temperament or is it because he fights for people like you fights for people like me overwhelmingly 82 percent of the people that voted for or voted in this election i should say 82 percent of them said you know what i like trump because he fights for people like me 66 percent yeah said Haley has the right temperament. But what good is temperament if nobody's willing to fight for you? What the heck do you want all the temperament for if nobody's actually caring enough to go to battle for working-class Americans? And that, ladies and gentlemen, is the entire issue here. Donald Trump has always had a kind of direct connection very much to everyday Americans. They respond to him. They feel that he's looking out for them. And you just look at the data and what you see is he was, he is. I mean, all the median income reports show you that median income actually went up 
during the Trump presidency, compare and contrast with what's happening with Biden, because you get all this inflation, inflation, inflation. I mean, another plug for our friends over at Legacy Precious Metals, one 589 This inflation is suffocating us, okay? It is suffocating us. And people are like, well, I don't care. I don't care like how polished somebody is, how great their temperament is. If I can't afford to put food on the table, if I can't afford to put gas in the car, and this is what it is coming to. And so they're looking for the candidate that can represent them and their interests and not the interests for goodness sakes of the foreigners that want to come here. New York Times had a great piece on this just the other day, just a phenomenal, phenomenal piece. I'm going to actually read a little excerpt from this piece for you because, and I know I'm just the, the, the production team, like we don't, we don't actually have a, a, a graphic of this. I am just going to read this to you because I found it to be so incredibly powerful, just so powerful. It was in the New York Times. It was written by a, a guy who does not like Trump, But his point was, you know, nobody seems to understand why it is that he is winning. And I can tell you, he's winning because Trump actually goes out there and tells people that that he's going to try and help them. Right? I mean, that's what matters. You think about what happened the other day, the optics, for example, of all of those kids filing out of that out of that school in New York City, in Brooklyn, so that they could make way for the migrants that needed housing. And there was that mother screaming, and she was so angry, and she's so upset, right? That, that is America right now. The optics of that were so horrible, to the point where I was even like, okay, is this for real? Like, as, as soon as it crossed that evening, are, are you serious? Because who in their right mind would, knowing how the media is, why would they ever really put that out there? Because you want to drill it home about how much Biden doesn't care about you and how much he cares about migrants. That picture said it all. And even if it was just for one night, the whole idea of the American students filing out and all the migrants filing in, that is very much what Americans are worried about right now. And and this is this is written by here. I'll just read it to you. The case for Trump by someone who wants him to lose. So an opinion piece, an opinion piece here in the New York Times. And I'm going to quote from it. The author writes, only now, as the consequences of Biden's lackadaisical approach to mass migration have become depressingly obvious on the sidewalks and in the shelters and in the public schools of liberal cities like New York and Chicago, as I was just talking about, are Trump's opponents on this issue beginning to see the point. Public services paid by taxes exist for people who live here not just anyone who makes his way into the country by violating its laws. A job market is structured by rules and regulations and not just an endless supply of desperate laborers prepared to work longer for less. A national culture, a national culture, which they want to destroy, it seems, is sustained, he writes, by common memories, ideals, laws, and a language which newcomers should honor, adopt, and learn as a requirement of entry. It isn't just a giant arrival gate for anyone and everyone who wants to take advantage of American abundance and generosity. 
Again, this is written by Brett Stevens, who is not a fan of Trump in any way, shape, or form. But as he says, barring a political miracle or an act of God, it is overwhelmingly likely that Donald Trump will again be the Republican nominee for president. So you've got to understand why it is that he works. Well, I don't need the New York Times to explain this to me. I just think it's kind of funny that they're eventually having to come around to admit what we've all been saying. I don't think you need the New York Times to explain it either. I think we get this. We know this. Trump certainly gets this and know this, knows this, but they're going to continue to go after him. They're going to go after him in every way that they can, however they can, which is why you see lawsuit after lawsuit after lawsuit. And it's the reason why no matter how many times they try this, you know what? People double down on liking him even more because they're saying, gosh, darn it. That could just as easily be me. You get the deep state out there doing everything they can seemingly to protect the likes of Hunter Biden, who even admitted in the original plea deal how much of a screw up he was on various things. Thank goodness we actually had a judge that wanted to do the right thing and said, I don't think this plea deal makes sense. I don't even think I can sign off on this. No, she couldn't. They were trying to, you know, squeeze that one through underneath all of our noses because we got a corrupt system. I mean, what do you think this is? How, I mean, it's just, it's, it's disgusting how they're doing everything they can. And you know what I love and you know what I appreciate about it? And I imagine you do too. Make sure you subscribe, by the way, if you're just joining in. Subscribe, like, share, comment, all that kind of stuff. It matters. It really does. I also actually put the Spotify podcast over there on the side in the chats. I got to figure out how to actually pin it, but you'll see it because I was talking to you guys right before we came on air. It it all matters every single bit. But you know what's really going on is that Americans, they're finding their voice. And this is what I love. When Americans can say, okay, you know what? We need our country back. We need to change some things. And no matter how much money you have, no matter how much money you want to pour into Ron DeSantis or Nikki Haley, you know what? It's not about money. Your money is no good here. Because this is about conviction This is about saving a nation, saving a culture, saving a meritocracy and capitalism itself. I'm sorry. You know, when you get the head of DEI at Johns Hopkins University coming out with her top 10, you know, reasons why you know you're privileged. And I think it's basically, I mean, I had everything on there, I guess, except for not being male. (laughs) But if you're white, if you're Christian, if you're part of the owning class or middle class, I mean, Gosh darn it, you better not own your house. You better not own your car. You better not own anything. If you speak English, for goodness sakes, you're part of the privileged class. She had to actually take it down and issue an apology because it was so positively, absolutely, entirely absurd that, that she knew she was toast. I mean, she's still there, shockingly. But then again, Claudine Gay is still collecting nearly a million bucks at Harvard right now. I'm sorry, Americans are like, enough already, enough. You know what? We are American because we share a commonality in terms of our desire to reward hard work. Hard work in this country, and yes, a little luck, okay? I'm not going to deny that. You know, we Irish folks like to say the luck of the Irish, right? You need the wind at your back. A little bit of luck goes a long way, but hard work and a little bit of luck, and you're there. Try any other country in the world, and you are so not, which is why, ladies and gentlemen, Everybody wants to come here, okay? 
It's not that hard. And yet they want to fundamentally change everything that has made us great, which is why the whole make America great again is a pretty darn good slogan. And I predict he's going to take this all the way back to the White House unless they do something really, 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 really crazy. Because money doesn't matter. And the more you attack him, the more successful he is. I mean, maybe if they just ignored him entirely, maybe then there would be a shot. But I don't think they can. I don't think they'd ever know how to do that. I mean, he's too much fun for them to go after. And that is indeed all that they do. They go after him, they go after him, they go after him. We're going to get to that. I want to share with you some of the things that the mainstream media has been saying momentarily. It'll just make you nauseous, I'm sure. But at the same time, you just have to look at it and say, well, you know what? This is going to send them to the White House again because nobody can take it. Everybody's nauseous when they hear these extremists on the left, these hoity-toity academic liberals saying things that really aren't true and make us all As I said, a bit nauseous. Anyway, before I do that, let's go back to Iowa because Nikki Haley, I think she's a little bit delusional right now. Nikki Haley is getting a lot of money from sort of the never Trumpers. And I I think that the guy who started LinkedIn is in there too. And he's a donor. Everybody's looking for these alternatives. They think Nikki's it. I guess they think she's pretty controllable, whatever. You know, she used to work at the UN, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And so she's conservative, but she's a conservative that's manageable. And so she's their gal. Uh, She came in third, yet said this. I can safely say tonight, Iowa made this Republican primary a two-person race. Well, not really. I mean, you, you might want to try and win New Hampshire first, or at least come in second because you were third. Anyway, here's Ron DeSantis as well, uh, treating it like a huge, huge win. A huge win. Huh. They, thank you. Thanks so much. They threw everything but the kitchen sink at us. you too. They threw everything but the kitchen sink at us. They spent almost $50 million attacking us. No one's faced that much all the way just through Iowa. They, the media was against us. They were writing our obituary months ago. They even called the election before people even got a chance to vote. But they were just so excited about the fact that they were predicting uh, that we wouldn't be able uh, to get our ticket punched here out of Iowa. But I can tell you, because of your support, (coughs) in spite of all of that that they threw at us, everyone against us, we've got our ticket punched out of Iowa. And he's going to New Hampshire. Okay, I'm sorry. Like... It's sort of over. It was over before it started because, well, a variety of reasons and nothing against him. Look, he's got a great education background. I'm sure he's a smart guy. He was in JAG, Harvard and Yale. He did a good job in Florida, right? He, he kept the state open in the early days of that shutdown that seemed to go on nationally that was really pretty much a travesty and, and I think really hurt, hurt Donald Trump going into 2020. That said... 
Ron DeSantis doesn't have the common touch that's going to get him to the finish line. I mean, is he competing to try and get second place? I don't think so. I mean, he's running to the right, frankly, of Donald Trump. So that's not a strategy that's going to work. Maybe he can get another governorship in Cal- in, Cal- <laughs> in Florida when it's all said and done. Nikki Haley now. Nikki Haley is doing very well in New Hampshire. So her hope here is that she's going to continue this momentum. But I'm like, for what? Like, what is the goal, guys? What what is the what is the the long term effort here, just to get out there and be seen and be a public personality? I mean, why do you want a cabinet position? Do you want to be vice president? Now, maybe, maybe because Donald Trump has said, you know what, he's willing to look at everybody that's out there. He knows. He said he knows exactly. Told us this the other night while doing the Fox Town Hall debate. He knows who's going to be his vice president. And when he was pushed on this and asked, could it be anybody currently in the field? He said, possibly. Well, here he was in Iowa, sounding really magnanimous. There were no nicknames. He was very kind, very kind indeed to both Nikki and to Ron using their first names. I want you to see it. I want to thank uh, some of the great people. We have so many senators. If I go through every name, we'll be here all night, and everybody's going to get angry at me. But the senators, the congressmen from Washington, they came down from all different states. I want to thank you very much. I want to congratulate Ron and Nikki for having a, a good a good time together. We're all having a good time together. And. Uh, sanctimonious, right? So he is retreating from that in part because you know what Donald Trump knows? That it's time to get serious. That conservatives need to look out for conservatives and they need to be a united front. And so if you're going to join forces, we can all be one big happy family and let the bygones be bygones, right? The past is in the past. This is why I can never be a politician because I'd never forget it. I I, I might hold a grudge a little bit longer, but he's smart. He comes from the business world and he's ready, willing, and able to move on. The question is, is everybody else? I think so. I mean, really and truly, even those Nikki Haley voters, when you look at the policies that made this country successful, when you look at these basic things like protecting the people that are here and the economy we have, and making sure we have the right kind of incentives to preserve that meritocracy and that capitalist system, well, Donald Trump's economic policy, it gets you there. In terms of preserving our ability to uh, walk softly but carry a big stick, as they say, on the international front, again, we were not in a war with Donald Trump. And yet we get these proxy wars going on overseas right now. With Joe Biden, weren't they supposed to be the party that was anti all that? Listen, you have got to have a strong military. Got to have a strong military. It goes without saying. But you also want to be extremely careful how and when you use that military. The world's getting more and more complicated. We saw good news. The the president there, prime minister there in Taiwan, just got another term. So it's a good thing in that we get a little extra time, extra time to do what? I'm telling you, you get all those, all those semiconductor companies onshore. Come bringing them back home because from a national security standpoint, we want that infrastructure here. Otherwise, 
Otherwise, we're at risk. We're at risk, and we have to commit resources to protecting Taiwan from China because we've got all those semiconductor companies over there. I mean, you've got to think strategically, and you've got to think long-term. China certainly is. So there's a lot there that can be done, that should be done, that Donald Trump understood almost intuitively. And so he's right. You know what? Nikki, Ron, great job. Thumbs up. Ramaswamy, he's out. I like him. He's been on the show a couple of times. You guys like him? I'm curious to see in your comments. I think he just needs a little more seasoning. He needs a little more time, as I say. A little less coffee, maybe. But he has the the center. And by center, what I'm talking about here is conviction. Right? You have to know who you are before you get out there into politics. Because if you don't know who you are, you're just doing everybody else's bidding, all the big money. You're competing for dollars instead of votes. Because the thinking is, well, I need the dollars in order to get the votes. But the greatest thing about where we are in this point in time, ladies and gentlemen, and I'm proof of it right here, you don't need all the infrastructure. You don't need the big money, or in my case, the big network, bankrolling everything because people relate to what's authentic. And they now, because of the changes in technology, because of streaming, for example, because of social media, we have the ability to go direct. And Vivek was doing that. He was going direct. I mean, heck, nobody had ever heard of him, right? Who was this guy, this, this, this very wealthy young man who had sold a couple companies and all of a sudden came out slamming ESG with his first book. That was the first time I met him. I actually was so shocked. I was so shocked because rarely, rarely am I at a loss for words. But he was so talented and specific and good at what he was saying that I was like, just taking a moment to enjoy it, right? You just want to take a moment and like process it and enjoy it. Oh, wait, I'm up. I got to ask another question. I think the guy's got... Tremendous talent for the future. But there's no one that's going to beat Donald Trump right now. That's reality. Even the New York Times is recognizing it, right? Even the New York Times, for that matter. We got to get to the mainstream media's interpretation of this, their reaction to this. Of course, they're absolutely furious, and they're, they're, they're kind of pulling out the same old playbook. But <laughs> this time, there's like a little added on. I mean, the fear factor is off the charts. But before we do, make sure if you haven't, go over to Apple Podcasts or Google Podcasts or Spotify, which I put in the chat. Make sure that you subscribe to this show. It's really, really important right now. It matters. It matters. It matters. It matters. I can't say that enough. Leave a review if you're so inclined. It really helps. I'd love to have you there on the full audio download Subscribe to this channel. If you're watching live on Rumble or YouTube or Facebook, subscribe, share it, give it thumbs up. All of this is so important right now, ladies and gentlemen. I'm telling you this matters because we need to get the word out. We need the ability to speak about all this stuff in a frank manner. And this is the luxury of what we have in this place and time right now because of all of the changing things that are going on within the world of streaming, within the world of media. Also, while you're there, while you're there, you know what? I want to give a shout out. So I, one of my friends started a new podcast and is not actually the featured talent or anything. He's, he's sort of behind the scenes producing this whole thing. There's no actual talent. It's just the voices 
of these, well, not the actual people in some cases, because in some cases they're actually dead. If they do a big thing on Lincoln, it's called Our American Stories. Anyway, the podcast talks about all these great things that have happened in America, these great Americans. It's wonderful because sometimes you need a break. I get it. I get it. Like, you need a break. I need a break too, right? From all the politics and all the information coming at us. And this is just a way to get that break, but to also be inspired. I love being inspired. I love hearing these great stories, these historical accounts of some of the the people that have made us who we are in America today. And there's all kinds of people. There's business people, there's politicians, there's I mean, Harriet Tubman's in there. There's just so many the the woman who was the first millionaire, the first female millionaire, black. She was black. I mean, but that's neither here nor there. She was the first female millionaire, period. In America, they do something on her. They talk about the last day that Lincoln was alive. It's called Our American Stories. And it's our, like, it's it's our story. It's our heritage. Our heritage matters. Whether you're left, whether you're right, none of that's relevant when you think about just how successful this country has been and the people that have made it a success. So it's called Our American Stories. You can get it anywhere you're getting your podcast on Google, on Apple, on Spotify, you name it. And so go over, find me, and while you're there, find this podcast. I promise you, you're going to love it. And it's the kind of thing you want to hear when the going gets tough and it gets rough. And it's going to be, I mean, my prediction, my prediction is that Donald Trump makes it back to the White House. Unless they're able to do something so insane and so crazy, and I, I just can't imagine that he doesn't get there because all of the data shows you this over and over again. Remember Michael Moore? Michael Moore, the very liberal documentary producer who talked about how it was going to be Michigan's, Detroit, Michigan's giant FU to the system and to the elites. Michael Moore, as much as you may not like him, he got it. He gets it. He realizes, and I think he realizes again, just how shortchanged everyday Americans have been. And they've gotten more shortchanged under this administration's last three or so years. I mean, numbers don't lie. And even though they want to tell you inflation's gone down, I'm sorry, it's still up. It's still up over 3%. To the point where I don't know what the Fed's going to do. Right? The Fed is going to, I mean, they've got high inflation. They're going into an election season. They don't want to have to up rates even further. People were hoping for a rate cut. I don't think they're going to get it. I don't think that the Fed can move unless the Fed just wants to be incredibly irresponsible again. But you got major inflation, and then you got a whole cast of characters that are telling us somehow because of the color of our skin. We're coming off of Martin Luther King Day right now. For goodness sakes, was his dream not to just make sure that we could become a country and get to a point in America where we no longer saw color? We were there, ladies and gentlemen. We were there. Barack Obama elected twice in this country. I'm sorry, but don't you sit there and tell me America's a racist place when we do as much as we do to promote equality and elected a black president, not once, but twice. Okay. That says a lot. And, and look, I get it. I know that there are bad parts of America and there are bad people. I'm not saying it's perfect, but I'm telling you this. America is a good country. 
America needs to stay a good country. Part of being good is recognizing that everybody deserves an opportunity to get ahead. And I know it's harder for some people than others. A lot of it's socioeconomic. Trust me, the kid growing up in the trailer park in Appalachia is going to have a heck of a harder time making a way for him or herself than the kid who's growing up in, uh, you know, Brookline, Massachusetts, but happens to be black. You see, it's not all about color. Often it's about the infrastructure in the community around someone. It's why we need moms and dads in homes. It's why we need community. It's why we need church. It's why we need an emphasis on education that puts the kids first, for goodness sakes. Not the teachers and the teachers' unions, but the interests of the children, which is why you need more choice in schools and more vouchers so that people who don't have a shot in whatever crappy school they're in, excuse my French, they they have a chance to go somewhere else. I mean, this is what America needs to be and should be. But under Joe Biden's America, the middle class keeps on getting crushed. And he's okay with it. Clearly okay with it. I mean, the idea is like, okay, you know what? We got to come one, come all. Immigration, just lately, like in the last week, he's woken up to the immigration problem because the handwriting's on the wall. You guys, like you, you failed at that miserably. You failed at it miserably. So now they're going back to the well. They're trying to divide and conquer. They're just women versus men. Gay versus straight, I mean, you name it. And then, of course, there's black versus white. I mean, this is what they're trying to do. We heard a lot of this, not to mention throwing a little fear factor about how this is, you know, going to be a dictatorship on steroids. And you you scare people. Again, I don't think it's going to work, but this is what they're trying. Let's let's get some uh, reaction here. The mainstream media, like... Even before the vote took place, they have this analyst guy over on MSNBC, and he was looking at the numbers, and look, even he was forced to admit, like, it's going to be historic. It's going to be a big deal. Trump is so far out ahead. Let's, Let's cut to this tape. Put this Trump lead in some perspective here. First of all, the 48% that he's registering here, that is the highest share for a Republican candidate in a final Des Moines Register poll Ever That surpasses the record of 43% from George W. Bush on the eve of the 2000 caucuses. <laughs> They're like, no, no, how could it be? How could it possibly be? Oh, it's because, for goodness sakes, they got way too many white evangelical Christians in Iowa. That must be the reason, right? That's what the joy lady, whatever her name is, tried to tell us on MSNBC. Watch this clip, and let's talk about it on the other side here. Hear, hear her talk about how horrendous it is that Iowa gets to have any shot at picking the nominee to begin with. How dare they caucus in Iowa because they're all just those white evangelical Christians. But, you know, I feel like the important sort of data point, and, and, you know, Steve talks about it a lot. He's going to probably talk about it a little more tonight, is that these are white Christians. 
that this is a state that is overrepresented over by white Christians that are going to participate in these tonight. caucuses, yes. especially tonight. Um, I today, earlier today, reached out to Robert Jones, Robbie Jones, um, from the Public Religion Research Institute, knowing that we were going to talk about Iowa. And this is a hyper evangelical st okay, white so state. You know, and he said the research. following to me Iowa is about 61% white and Christian. So the country as a whole is approximately 41% white Christian. And in Iowa, we're talking about evangelical white Christians. And he said the following. Because I asked him, what do they get out of supporting Donald Trump? Because he keeps losing, he keeps delivering losses and losses and losses. And he said the following. They see themselves as the rightful inheritors of this country. And Trump has promised to give it yeah. back to them. All the things that we think about, about electability, about, you know, what are people gaming out or mm -hmm. none of that matters when you believe that God has given you this country, that it is yours and that everyone who is not a white conservative Christian is a is a fraudulent American, is a less, a less, a less real. Did you hear enough? I got the digging to stop. <laughs> anyway, guys, I mean, this is, this is, this is how they feel, right? Like how, f it's not fair. It's not fair. Iowa is filled with those white evangelical Christians. Again, because they only see things through color. By the way, nearly half the country, I should point out, is white evangelical Christian. For whatever that matters. I get it. Like Iowa is like higher 60 some odd percent. But the truth is, you know what? They just don't want them to win no matter what. They seem to be more comfortable with New Hampshire, which, by the way, born and raised, born and raised, live for your die in New Hampshire. It's on my mug. <laughs> Go to my store if you want one, trishregan.shop. But the, the truth is, is that New Hampshire, it's probably less diverse. I'd have to look at the numbers, but having lived there, than even Iowa. But they're okay with that. Why? Because oh, Nikki Haley's doing so well. But I'll tell you this, guys, she's not going to beat Trump. She's just not going to beat Trump. So whether it's Joy over on MSNBC or whether it's uh, Rachel Maddow, they're all going to, they're all freaking out. He's going to win New Hampshire. He's going to win South Carolina. And I think he's going to beat Biden. I really, you agree? If you agree, give the video a like. I really do. I think he's going to beat Biden. I think he's going to beat him by a lot, which is why all of the polls that we've seen come out so far, even you look at the spread and the difference in some of these swing states everywhere, except for Wisconsin, which is pretty narrow right now, he's leading by a very large margin. So this will be historic in more ways than one. In other words, the history is not ending with Iowa. The history is going to continue to be made all the way back to Pennsylvania Avenue. That is my prediction. It's like going out on a limb saying things like this. I'm usually pretty cautious. I was hesitant even because I didn't feel as strongly that his, there were a lot of like odds stacked against him in, in 2020. And part of that was because the economy was shut down, right, for so long and it made it harder to go out and vote, et cetera, et cetera. So there were a lot of reasons why I, I didn't quite have that same sort of gut feeling like I did back in 2016 and I'm feeling it again. Now, I could be wrong. But I think he's going to take it. I really do. We'll see. It's still early. Anything can happen. They can pull anything. We shall see. But I, I want to prepare you because it's going to get dicey. It's going to get scary. And you're going to hear a lot of references to sort of the World War II era. Uh, and you're going to hear them everywhere. But, of course, MSNBC is playing it up for, for all it's worth. 
This is Rachel Maddow as we got results in on Iowa Watch. The big picture takeaway from that, and I don't mean to be, again, too dark, as you said, on this, but it is not... If we are worried about the rise of authoritarianism in this country, we are worried about potential rise of fascism in this country. If we're worried about our democracy falling to an authoritarian and potentially fascist form of government, the leader who is trying to do that is part of that equation. Mm-hmm. But people wanting that Correct. is a yeah. much mm-hmm. bigger part mm-hmm. of that That's equation. Right. And the American electorate is made up of two major parties. One of those parties has been flirting with extremism on the ultra-right for a very long time. They've brought them in in a way that they haven't been central to Republican electoral politics ever before. And I know because I've been studying this. But once you have radicalized one major party so that those are the preferences of the people who adhere to your party, the leaders interchangeable. And yes, Trumpism is sometimes what we call it. Mm-hmm. MAGA movement is probably a better way to do it. But there is an authoritarian mm-hmm. movement inside yes. Republican politics that isn't being bamboozled by Trump. Mm-hmm. They are pushing Trump That's to right. get more and more right. extreme because the more extreme things he says, the more they, the like more they adhere and to him. That- yeah. and-, and that is coming from a very large proportion of the American right that adheres to the Republican Party. And that's why this is a... I'm sorry. Did nobody watch that speech down in South Carolina? Like, you want to talk about extreme? What I heard from Joe Biden was pretty darn extreme, okay, ladies and gentlemen? What I heard was really, really, really just darn divisive. What I've heard from Donald Trump... I mean, it feels like Disney World back in the day when Disney World was Disney World, right? Like, it feels completely normal compared to what we're hearing out of Joe Biden's mouth. I mean, he's figured out that his Bidenomics, I don't know if he's figured out that it hasn't worked, but I'm going to tell you, you know it hasn't worked, and America knows it It hasn't worked. And so his advisors are like, okay, we can't keep talking about how great the economy is because nobody feels it. Everybody knows your Bidenomics policy has not worked. So you're going to do something else. What do you think Barack Obama going there to Pennsylvania Avenue and having that lunch that got reported on by the Washington Post? What was that all about? It was to tell him, Listen, the stakes are high, buddy. You got to go back to the well. Divide, 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 divide. And so that speech in South Carolina, it was all about division. Meanwhile, you want to talk about authority, authoritarian, what you can say, what you can't say. Let's be very clear. Like, there was one side that could say whatever it wanted for so long. The other side still can barely say it, right? I mean, what do you think that happened with the whole Hunter Biden laptop? You had 51X spooks and political hacks come out and tell you, not true. This is misinformation fed to us courtesy of the Russians and Rudy Giuliani. (laughs) Except that actually it was true. And so that was a direct attempt, direct attempt to shut down the point of view that they didn't agree with. And they were using like, the former deputy director at the CIA to help him do it. I mean, you want to talk authoritarian? Give me a break. Give me a break. I mean, at least the difference is, you know what? You're not going to get kicked out of the press conference. Don't talk. I mean, you had Jim Acosta saying whatever the heck he wanted, as rude as he could possibly be. You think that happens with Biden? I don't think so. It's just not as overt. It's not like Trump's calling him out. Instead, you get some minion in Biden's department that's like doing the dirty work for him. That's how it works. I'm not worried about authoritarianism under Donald Trump. I'm actually worried about it under Joe Biden and under the left that somehow thinks 
if you're white, if you're Christian, if you're a middle-aged woman, middle-aged people, by the way, that was on that DEI list out of Johns Hopkins that they had to rescind. If you're a middle-aged person, if you're white, if you're Christian, if you speak English, if you're part of the owning class, I mean, it, it got rescinded because I think this lady realized with all the negativity that came her way, it was a really dumb thing to put out. But it doesn't change the fact that she was emboldened enough to put it out in the first place. It was a window into how they think and how they see the world and how they see people that aren't like them. And I think most of Americans would agree that what makes us special is our common desire to see ourselves succeed and our children succeed in ways that make it better for every generation. That's the American dream, right? You come here, you give your kids everything you can, and you hope that they have a better and an easier life. That's what we all want. And I think that's pretty universal. And I think that dream should be shared and that dream should be promoted all day long because it is uniquely American. I have a cousin who grew up in New Hampshire and married a a wonderful French woman and they live in France and they visit us every year. And I, I remember talking to her about a year ago and she teaches English in France and she teaches the importance of the American dream. And we're talking about it. She's like, we don't have anything like it in France, Trish. Like nothing, like there's nothing. Like you got to go to American literature to understand what the American dream is. There is no French dream. There's no Indian dream. There's no Spanish dream or Italian dream or Pakistani dream. It's the American dream. Why would we ever want to destroy that? Because the American dream is built on a meritocracy. It's built on capitalism. It's built on the knowledge that if you come here and you try hard and you're willing to put in your own sweat equity and you got a few people around you that might lend a helping hand and a little bit of luck, you know what? You are on your way and anything can be done here. That psychology does not exist anywhere else in the world. And yet they are trying to take it from us. We can't let them. Trump's certainly not going to let them. Biden's happy to give it away. He never wanted it in the first place, apparently. Or at least that's the perception. If the election were held today, Donald Trump would win in a landslide. I predict that's going to stay. Again, barring something crazy, because this is a crazy time and crazy things can happen, Donald Trump will make history and go back to the White House again in 2024. Make sure you subscribe to this. Make sure you share this. Make sure you comment on this. Let me know what you think, whether you agree, whether you disagree. It's going to be an interesting road. It's just kicked off. I am here every step of the way for you. For those of you that have uh, joined the, the program, Dan, it's good to see you. We have like a little, we have a little club here on YouTube now, as well as over on um 
a couple other platforms, but this, this one, High Tower, good to see you again. Leslie, yeah, work hard, stop whining. That's the idea. And by the way, that's what people come here for, and that's what they want. And for them to take that away from us, I'm really just disgusted, disgusted with all of it. And I think everybody else is as well. It's true. And uh, it, it's great to see so many of you here. We get a huge tune in again. This channel is growing massively. Don, thank you. He, he's like, he's riding you guys. He's like 547. How many likes do we have? How many likes do we have? So like it, like it, make sure you subscribe and you hit that bell, the bell, because then you'll know in real time when I am here. We are going to get a real time. We are going to get a definite <laughs> guaranteed real time it's soon. I promise. I promise. We're working out some tech stuff, you know, me and technology, I'm getting there, but it, it, it's, it doesn't come as naturally as it does to some of the kids, shall we say. Anyway, wonderful, again, to see you guys all here. I appreciate all of your, all of your uh, sentiments and insight. I think, I think there's something that we probably all fundamentally agree on here, and it's sort of the, the little speech I, I just said. I get very emotional about this stuff because I'm very patriotic and I think of some of my friends that have come here from other countries that have been able to be successful. And it's because of, it's because of us. It's because of this nation. It's because of the opportunity it affords. I think about my own family and, you know, my husband was the first, first to go to college in, in his, his family and his mom's side. And my, you know, growing up, I, I loved hearing all the poor stories, big Irish Catholic family that couldn't afford shoes, you know the drill, right? But every single one of those kids that, that, that had that family unit and support around them, they grew up to do something and to have a better life for themselves and their children. And, and I'm the byproduct of that. And we need to make sure that we keep allowing more people to come up. It's what makes us unique. It is why we have the American dream. Thank you so much, guys. Thank you for tuning in. Thank you for all your commitment to America. Thank you for your commitment to this show. Make sure you go and find it on Spotify, as well as my friend show, Our American Stories. I promise you're going to love it. And we will talk some more tomorrow.